Welcome back to the Legends Lounge. I'm True Withers, and with me in the lounge today, we have former Hartford Public Al and Boston College Eagle. He was an all-star with the then Washington Bullets. Michael Adams is with us. First things first, thank you for joining us. How are you feeling today? I'm great, thank you. I got a good workout in this afternoon and uh, made it back here just, just in time to, to meet up with you. Uh, we're, we're, we're thankful you're taking some time uh, with us. Before we got going, I heard you mention you're in retirement mode. What uh, What's that look like for you? Well, um, my wife's not, so she's not too happy with that. But anyway, um, well, since I stopped coaching, stopped playing, um, uh, I refereed basketball for 10 years, uh, and then I just gave it all up and settled down here in Southern Maryland with my wife. And um, uh, my, my hobbies is a Tuesday night in a, in a billiards league, and I, and I have a lot of fun, and sometimes I play in tournaments on the weekend, so. Um, and then my wife and I, you know, we do our traveling thing and uh, we just enjoy each other's company. Just staying busy. Yes. You have uh, been keeping up with the finals any uh, while you're in retirement mode? Well, of the course, you know, listen, I watch every NBA basketball game when I can. I mean, I'm living in the Washington, D.C. area, so I, I watch every Wizards game. Obviously, they didn't make any playoffs, but um, but I'm, a, I'm an avid NBA fan more than college. So I, I, I keep up with the league and and watch all the stars and watch all the teams and some of my favorite teams. But, uh, but um, I'm pr pretty familiar with what, it, what everybody's doing. So we've got our finals matchup. Nuggets, Heat. Uh, I mentioned you all-star with the bullet, but you played a majority of your time with the Denver Nuggets. Well, it was split. So I played four years with the Bullets, and I played four years with the Denver Nuggets. Um, okay, so about even. The year I didn't make an all-star team, it should have been in Denver. I was 20, 26 and 10 and didn't make an all-star team. So imagine that. So. How, did, yeah, how did that happen? I was going to how did that happen? How do you average 26 points, 11 assists for a season and don't make the all-star Well, game? I can tell you how it happened. My, our team sucked. We won 20 games. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do it. Um, and, then, and then you had them in the Western Conference. So there's Magic Johnson, there's John right. Stockton, there's Tim Hardaway, and there's Kevin Johnson. And right. so the last man on the totem pole is little old me michael adams you got 20 wins no no shot so i was okay with it but you you did get it was it the next the following season the next year when i got traded to washington yes so how did it feel to get that that, that call that all-star call um it, it was great i mean it was you know i never dreamt that, that i would be an nba player first of all and then to be able to have a 10-year career and then in year whatever it was i think six that i get a call that i'm going to be an all-star it was just a culmination of things, just uh, just, just great feeling that I was going to mm. be amongst the stars for a day. And, mm. uh, and just to be amongst those peers, those great players, it was just an honor for me to be there. And you mentioned spent four years in Denver. What does it mean for Denver for these Nuggets to be, to be in their first NBA Finals? <sighs> well... You know, for all the former players that came before me, the Dan Issels, the Kiki Vandeweghe, the Alex English, Fat Lever, when I played with the, the, those few guys, I, those teams were good. Mm -hmm. You know, they had some great teams. They were averaging 100, 130 points a game. Um, but you always had the Lakers <laughs> always dominating. Always. Uh, so it was either the Lakers dominating, you know, the Houston Rockets, you know, doing their thing. And then Seattle, a lot of teams, it was just um, – and the Dallas Mavericks, they were just getting over the hump, and Denver, we just never made it over the hump until now. So it feels good to be a, uh, to be an ex-player and, and hope they get a chance to win it. 
What do you remember about Denver just as a basketball city? Well, one, I, I, when I first got there, I know it was Denver Broncos town first. It was football <laughs> first and um, basketball second. But um, what I didn't know was when I got there, when I got traded there, was that, you know, I didn't realize that the mile high air was, <laughs> was, kind of, was, uh, was hard to play in. But um, uh, I do remember that there, we did have our fan base that was good for the Denver Nuggets and, and, Doug Moe was the coach when I was there, and they re- we had to emphasize that we were going to be a running team. I didn't know that Denver, uh, when you're a running team, you, you obviously get used to the air, and all the teams that come in don't really want to play you there because uh, they can't keep up. By the third quarter, fourth quarter, they're, they're getting pretty winded, and uh, that was to our advantage back then. How long does it take somebody to get acclimated to that? Like, How long did it take you when you like went into Denver, like left, and then came back, if I'm not mistaken? So how long does it take you to get – get familiar with i think you know when i first got got there it took me about a week or two Hmm. uh, to get used to it um and then it was just it was was easy breezy i mean you know we we had shorter practices you know and i and i I think doug mo was the coach then he did it for a reason we used to run a motion offense which you just was just passing and cutting it was a lot of running Hmm. and and what i didn't realize i was wondering well wow we only have we have these 45 minutes to an hour practices I was like, why are we having short practices? And then I realized we can't run up and down the court for right. He's, <laughs> he's trying to save y'all Maybe for the games. He's yeah. Trying. So, so that was a big shocker. That uh, then I realized, well, that was to our advantage to have shorter practices. Then when we get to the games, we can take advantage of it. Hmm. So we got again Heat Nuggets. What do you make of this finals matchup? Where where do you think the Nuggets will have the advantage? Well, they have. I think they have the star players. Um, you know, Jokic just, you know, obviously a former MVP and great all-around player. He can shoot it, he can post up, and and I think it's the most underrated thing about him is his great passing ability that, you know, that he has Jamal Murray that he can just give the ball to. He can score at will. And, you know, Michael Porter and uh, Aaron, all those other guys that are, that are the, the, the pieces just fit for the Denver Nuggets this year. And I just, I just think that they have the overall fit for an NBA championship run to uh, – to beat the Miami Heat. That's just my opinion. I mean, and I'm obviously rooting for them, but uh, uh, it's not going to be easy because Miami, they come ready to play. And uh, But I just think that's the advantage that Never Nugget has. And, and and hey, they haven't lost in the playoffs at home yet. So they got a home court advantage as of right now. I would say maybe it's some altitude, maybe it's some sleep in their own bed, but they will have that home court advantage. They'll also have, they've had 10 days off. What do you make of the the, the rest versus rust? Because they've had 10 days off. I think Miami, it'll be three days off because their series went to seven. So right. what do you make? Like, it's 10 days. Is that, as, as a former player, like, is you prefer more rest, less rest? What are you – what's your take on it? Well, if you, if you, if you have teammates that have had, had some minor injuries, then you welcome the rest that they can get healed <laughs> up so you get ready to go to, to beat your next opponent. Um, for me personally, I would love to, you know, get back out there and play after a couple of days, you know what I mean? But mm. – um, any welcome rest for long season that these guys have gone through 82 games, you know, plus, you know, playoffs, it's a lot of games, not even counting the preseason. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, if they come out flat Denver, then the people will say, well, they, they too much. Oh, rest. Too you know, long, I, yeah. yeah. But I think they will be fine. I think, you know, they play in spurts at home and I think if they can get the edge and get out earlier at home, it's, it could be a long night, opening night for, for the Miami heat. Mm. Where do you think the heat have the advantage? We'll probably have to start with, like you said, 
winning that game one, right? Like trying to stay hot within the rhythm and hoping that Denver's missing some shots from long layoff. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, I think Miami is a really good team. Obviously, they both teams are very well coached. And I think what Miami does, and I watched it against the Celtics, is that Miami doesn't take too many bad shots at all. Right. They move the ball until somebody's open. And then, then that guy's open and he'll shoot it. Um, if somebody has a better shot, they'll move it. <laughs> so I think that's the that's, system. That's their system, and they're consistent playing that way. And then your percentages go up. You know, if you're playing the right way, and I and I see them playing the right way, um, all their games. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you got to make shots to win, but they give them give themselves a chance to win by doing that by uh, making the next pass for the easier shot to have mm. a chance to win. And I think that's that's been their advantage throughout the playoffs. You think there's a coaching advantage here? You mentioned you're, you're a former coach, so what? What do you what, what do you see here as a former coach? We got Eric Spolstra, Michael Malone uh, on the sidelines for each team. Well, Eric Spolstra is in his 15 years of coaching speaks for himself. I mean, right. he's he's been getting the job done. Obviously, he's got a couple of rings on his belt, and this is now you know he's back to the finals again with this with this group of players. Um, so um, he's seen everything. Right. <laughs> no surprises finals. for him. Yeah, nothing nothing will surprise him and he and he's a great game adjustment maker for his team. If something's not right, he'll change it up. He'll go to zone if the man's not working for a while. Hmm. Um and the, and the players follow it to a T. Uh but Michael Malone is 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 no slouching coach and he he's you know, he's got them through finally to the to the finals and they made a lot of adjustments against the Lakers, against all the other teams they played and then they managed to make it through and I think um, it's going to come down to, I think, the players making the right plays in, at the end of games because I think it's going to be a close close series. I don't think there's going to be too many blowouts. Um, you know, I think uh, Denver won both games on the regular season. They won by four and five points. So, close um, game. So I, I think it'll be close, um, even though if, you, if you're in Denver and you let the game get away from you, they can beat you by mm. a lot in Denver. But uh, for the most part, I think the way the coaches kill can coach and the way the players are playing, maybe the last two teams standing, I don't think there's going to be too many uh, blowouts. It's just going to be adjustments after adjustments to, to get to the four wins. Right. Now we're in a uh, Tyler Harrell may come back, may not uh, after what would be, uh, I think about a six week layoff. Have you ever had like a long injury layoff like that? Because I'm curious to what there's a, there's a, I guess a style of thought that do you want to mess with what the heat chemistry they've built without him, right? They're playing well into the finals. Or do you want to get your, you know, six man of the year last year guy back into it? Where do you where do you fall on that? Well, if you can get any good player back on the floor, you want to play him. <laughs> right. Um, uh, the way the Heat play, we talked about this, the way they play, they make adjustments well. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hurl would fit right back in wherever he left off. Right. Whether he's making shots right out of the gate, you know, it's another story. Whether he's winded or not, there's another story. But they fit and plug in their players better than any team I've seen in a long time. Mm. Now we saw on the flip side the the teams that just lost. The the Celtics lost a tough one, fought back from down 3-0, lost in seven. There's a lot of talk about should they make any major moves. What what, what do you make of the the Boston Celtics situation? Well, actually, being an ex-college coach, I only I think adjustments that I think they should have made during the playoffs, and, and I think during that Miami series, they didn't make any adjustments to Miami's zone. They all stood on the perimeter step. You know, they moved the ball, and they still just continued to shoot three-point shots. And uh, for me, I thought 
where they erred and they didn't drive to the basket more in those situations, right. you know, pass it through the middle in the zone and just attacking it from there. They, they didn't do any of that. So that cost them the series, I think, especially playing a game seven at home and, and they were not hitting from the outside and nobody decided to drive the ball to the basket and get easier shots. You know right. what I mean? Just waiting they, for a three to fall. And they just took contested shot after contested shot. So um, I hate to say this, but I think they missed – Kyrie Irving from a couple years ago. He was there with that young nucleus. And I mean, he would have, I think he would have been a leader that they needed in, at the point guard position to get things done because obviously he's a shot maker, but he can move the ball better than anybody that I've seen as a point guard. But, right. uh, but they need to have somebody that can distribute the ball in the lane uh, to create some open space for these guys because they have great players. Uh, they just took a lot of tough shots. Right. And that cost them the series. Speaking of Kyrie, on the flip side, the, the Lakers lost to the, uh, or excuse, yeah, Lakers lost to the Nuggets. What do you think of the there's talk that Kyrie might go to the Lakers, or they could, you know, run back the core? They traded almost all new parts at the trade deadline and made it to the conference finals. Where do you, where do you stand there? Well, they made a well. Once they made the trade, they were one of the better teams in the West. I mean, they, I mean, they did. A, a, they got Vanderbilt. They got Beasley. Rui Hachimura to go with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, those guys all fit in together with what they were doing. Now, um, you know, when you lose, then you still think you need to make more adjustments. So that's always the next thought. But do you run it back with the team that played well to get you to the, you know, right before the conference final, I mean, to the conference final? Um, I mean, or do you try to get a Kyrie Irving? I don't know, but I – it's a hard job for a general manager. I can tell you that because with the pieces he made to help them get better, um, I think they, they, they would be fine to, to run it back with the, the team they had because they had no training camp. Those guys came over right. in what February, March, whatever. Just it was. had to hit the ground running. Yeah. yeah. And they hit the ground running. So yeah, there was, I mean, they didn't know each other that well with all that, with that group, but I think a whole season together, who knows what they could be. Hmm. They wouldn't be a lower seed, I can tell you that. Right. <laughs> you yeah, hope they wouldn't get worse. With right, they would have to get better, yeah, I would think. But but Kyrie Irving is out there lurking, so I'm, I'm a big Kyrie Irving fan as a basketball player. I'm a big fan. I love watching him play. So, What is it about his game that you like watching? Well, he's, he's, he's one of the best playmakers that the league has ever seen. I mean, six-foot – guard that can score with the best of them can mm-hmm. penetrate with the best of them um, and his shooting is unbelievable um, so that mean there may be a two or three if not two better than him in the entire league at that position so um, I, I put him right there in the top three or four of, of anybody you, you, point, you point at a point guard I'd say I start with him too mm-hmm. um, so anybody can inquire that guy is going to be happy they got him if he fits in what the team's trying to do. Right. Now, finals, the NBA draft is coming up as well. You were a third-round draft pick. They don't have three rounds in the draft anymore. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me I wouldn't have been drafted? Okay. Well, I'm just saying, I was just going to ask, what do you well, remember about, about that true. process? Uh, <laughs> what do you remember about that process? Because it, it used to, it was, was it eight rounds? When I was playing, it was it was at least eight rounds. Um, um so yeah, I was a 66th player taken. So overall, so, um, but I was told I would get drafted between the second and the fourth round. So I never, I didn't even watch the draft. Right. Um, when I came out, I just was, 
okay, let the chips fall where they may. If somebody picks me, they pick me. If not, I'm a free agent. I can go try out for some team and hopefully uh, give a good showing and make a team. So, um, you know, I made Sacramento Kings roster. And, uh, you know, after the team started off losing, I was the odd man out. I wasn't playing anyway, but I got cut. So, uh, but yeah, um, you know, I think the, the, the other side of that is if you don't get drafted, at least you can get a chance to pick the team you want to try out for, you yeah. know. So that's a good thing for some guys who don't get drafted after the second round. You can go pick a team that you want to try out for and maybe have a chance. Find out where all the guarantees you know, contracts are and go where there are some open spots. I was going to say, would you have preferred that? Or would you have preferred? The, I don't know. Like, I the prefer, I, you know, everybody has an ego. I, per- I prefer to be drafted. <laughs> 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 Listen, that's honesty, though. That's honesty. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's everybody's dream to make it For to the sure. NBA, but and number one is to get drafted first. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't watch the draft. I didn't think I wasn't sure where I was going to go if I got drafted. So, I wasn't going to be having any draft parties to be setting up for any failures in that regard. But, right. uh, yeah, definitely a blessing to get drafted than, than not. But, uh, but if you're not getting to get drafted, at least you can kind of have an agent and pick and choose where you're going to try out for and try to make a team. So after you're away from Sacramento, you end up in the CBA? Yes. How does that happen? Like, how, what, what, what do you remember about that experience? Well, it was a letdown because I went from riding nice planes and nice buses to traveling on a, uh, a van with t- 10 players, and we drive in the van to the games. So <laughs> A little different. And, and, and the salary was totally different. You know, you're going from right. – even though my salary in my first year was $45,000, believe it or not, in 1985. As a third round pick, but went from you know having that salary to making five hundred dollars, you know, a week, you know. So it was a humbling experience, but at the same time, it gave me the foresight to put my head down and start uh, working even harder to to get better as a shooter, mm. um, better as a passer, to hopefully uh, open up some eyes around the league that they give me another shot. I'd say so. Like again, you 66 pick, but you finished that draft 14th in points, 14th in win share. So I, I'd, I'd say you proved your medal there. Yeah, I did. I think so. Um, shocked a lot of people, um, but anyway, I uh, once I got the opportunity. I mean, you go to the minor leagues, and then the next year I got an opportunity to try out with the Washington Bullets. Uh, I got cut again, last cut, and the coach told me, you know, if somebody gets hurt, we may bring you back. Um, there's no guarantee of that, but. Fortunately, somebody got hurt. Frank Johnson was the point guard of the Washington Bullets. Then he got hurt. He broke his foot. They actually brought me back. Um, you know, so it was a long haul in trying to make it. But I came back and finished the season with the team. Um, so that was you know, my first year and getting some, getting my feet wet. And then the next year, they draft Muggsy Bogues in the first round. <laughs> so <laughs> you, think gonna, one. Yeah. you think they're going to keep two guys under six feet? Heck to the no. <laughs> Okay, so so then what what happens after that? After you're in Washington, I actually played well in training camp because I was there all the way up until training camp. And then mm-hmm. um, at the last minute, before they cut me, they uh, the Denver Nuggets came calling and, and made a trade for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted Jay Vincent, I think, and I was a throw-in, so they got Jay Vincent <laughs> and, and threw me. And they said they wanted Michael Adams in the trade also. I think they wanted Muggsy first. They said no, we're not giving up Muggsy as our first round pick. And, uh, what I was told. Uh, the general manager said, we'll give you 10 Michael Adamses, and, and I was the one they gave up. <laughs> so um, so we got traded for Daryl Walker and Mark Allery. And when I got to Denver, I came off the bench for about a week. And then, lo and behold, the coach just said, you know, Mike, we're going to throw you in the starting lineup. 
and I want you to start the games off by shooting three-point shots, and my eyes lit up. <laughs> so, um, so I had improved as a three-point shooter, and, and I can push the ball with the best of them. You know, I can still create and pass. And he opened my eyes because I was always a natural scorer from high school and college a little bit, and so he gave me the confidence mm. to say, go ahead and do what you do. And the chips fall where they may. And, and I was able to, to blossom uh, for four years in Denver. Now, was it a tough transition? Because in college, you didn't play with the three-point line, correct? That's correct. No, the three-point line came in in uh, the year after, 1986. So you, I, think so, it, it, I missed that, too. Just missed it. Yes. So, I missed so was that it a too. tough transition? Four years, no three-point line. No, and, not really. Then, because because as, you know, as a 5'10 guard, I always worked on my shot from deep anyway. Uh, because you got to beat this t- taller guys to the spot, right? right? So a lot of times it was out there uh, from three-point range. So I was working on my game in the minor leagues, you know, and throughout the summer on, on long-range shooting mm. um, just to prepare for, you know, that NBA situation too. So it was a natural thing for me. He gave me the green light to shoot. And so you confidence build. And, and, and so, um, yeah, you you it's a long ways out. You, your body gets adjusted to that, but. Uh, lo and behold, I mean, I ended up, you know, leading the NBA in three-point shooting for three of those four years I was there in Denver. So what would you say was your welcome to the NBA moment? Well, I'll, I'll give you two. Okay. And, and these are fond memories, and, and, and it made me realize if you want to make the NBA, you got to be as tough as nails because this is a man's league, and any kid that's around, you're going to get left behind. Um Playing in the preseason game, I was my rookie year at Sacramento, we were playing against the New York Knicks in, in, in California somewhere at an exhibition game. And I remember Gus Williams' younger brother, Ray Williams, playing point guard for the Knicks. And I'm guarding him, you know, full court. You know, in the NBA, don't want you guarding full court. You know, guys <laughs> frying upon him. I'm like, now nah, I'm trying to impress somebody. Right, I'm trying to make a name. I, I press him full court. He gets down the floor. He gets, a, gets ready to take a shot. So he gets ready to shoot. I, I, I strip him. But what he does, he slaps me in the face. <laughs> now, I mean, it was intentional. He, of course I mean, it was. He right. just, he smacked the daylights out of me. And all I could do was take it because I couldn't beat him. <laughs> right. Right. Not there. Not that he, way. Yeah. Right. Um, so it was, it, was a, it was an aha moment for me to say, okay, you got to be tough to make this leap because they didn't call a foul on him. They called it on me. Right. And, 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 and so that, that was a wake up call for me there. And, and you know, then the second one was uh, when you're playing somebody full court and one of those big guys said to pick on you, then you stop picking up full court in the NBA. <laughs> you just don't you do it anymore. Who, who set the hardest screen on you? Well, it was, it was Buck Williams. It was Buck Williams. So I remember it dearly. It was Buck Williams. And I realized if my big man's not going to tell me a screen is coming, I'm not going to be pushing up full court anymore. So, I stopped doing that. <laughs> Learned your lesson. I did. I uh, did. Uh, so you had you get it going in Denver, and then again you said trade it back to Washington. So what was that like? You feel like you're kind of getting into your zone, getting some confidence, a coach that believes in you. Yeah, well, it was three years in Denver, and then they started trading all, trading all the veteran players. Alex got traded. Alex Davis got traded. Pat Lever got traded. Um, Walter Davis was there. He got traded. So all the veterans were leaving because the team was now we're starting to lose some. We still made the playoffs all those years. But then they then they trade those guys. Then they fired Doug Moe. So now he's not the coach. Right. And now we have a young roster. And I'm one of the oldest players on the team at 28, 27. <laughs> You're the old head. Yeah, and I'm the yeah. old head. So, um, And then we drafted another point guard. 
Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. So yep. my time was there was going to be cut short. And I averaged, you know, I, I finished that year. I averaged 28 points a game. But then next year, they gave him the job and traded me back to Washington. And um, my first year in Washington, I just played the way I played in Denver. I played great. Um, did you have any say in it since they were, you know, trading veterans that they asked you like, Hey, would you like to go back to Washington? Or do you have a couple places or? Well, I didn't have any say in it. I asked, the, I asked the general manager at the time to give me a new contract because I was 28 and 10. <laughs> I wanted a new contract. As you and, do. And, and Bernie Bickerstaff said, maybe I'll trade you instead. And, <laughs> um, so that's what ended up happening. I got traded to Washington and he knew I was from living in the Washington area. Hmm. Um, and so he did me that favor and traded me back to Washington. And so, uh, that was a blessing because, uh, right. you know, I, I had a home in Washington still. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. If it was, if I was going to go anywhere, I didn't mind going back to uh, where I could drive to the arena. It only took me five minutes to get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, and so those three years were good in, in Washington, but we, you know, we had a team that never made the playoffs when I was there. So mm. there you have it. Three years of, of uh, you know, not winning. Right. Now, you closed your career in Charlotte. What do you remember about those years? Uh, we'll get you out. It won't take too much of your time. Oh, wow. Well, that was another blessing. I mean, to to get traded to Charlotte, they signed me, gave me a new two or three-year contract, whatever it was, you know, at the end of my career. But um, to play with Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson, I get back. I go back there to be Muggsy Bogues' backup. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. So it was all fine. Yeah, it was. You know, they had a good team, and I was going to a team that made the playoffs, and it was a winning organization, and it was a place that you know they sold out every game. Who didn't want to play in front of that? So, um, so yeah, that was a that was a good experience to play for Charlotte. Um, unfortunately, my my running back legs gave out on me, and I and I probably played uh, in the last two years there uh, forty eight games in two years because I got hurt. I pulled two hamstrings, I pulled two calf muscles, and I pulled a groin, and that was the end of my career. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, overall, playing in Charlotte was a great experience because, you know, it's a winning organization. And I made the playoffs for two years and had some fun uh, ending my career there. But uh, playing with Larry Johnson and, you know, Muggsy and Alonzo and those guys, it was, it was really a blessing. Mm -hmm. Now, you've coached some all over. You've been assistant coach in the NBA, NCAA, head coach in the WNBA. When did you know you wanted to go into coaching? It was just a natural feel for it because, you know, really when you're either point guard, you're an extension of the coach all the time. Yeah, you coach so on the just, floor. Yeah, it was just natural just, just to get into it. And uh, and I gave it a shot to, you know, see see who I could help, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and, and have a different career. So um, so I was an assistant coach in Vancouver, then went to Memphis, you know, for two years. And then, you know, obviously I got to the WNBA to coach the, you know, the Washington Mystics for a head coach there for one year. And then left here and went to college for three years under Gary Williams, who was my college coach. So, um, um, but I, I really, you know, didn't take to college coaching too well because really the, re the recruiting aspect was something <laughs> I didn't want. <laughs> so it's different. Yeah. I thought I liked college and in, in, in the coaching aspect, but I think I should have stayed on the pro side because right. the recruiting part was the hardest thing. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't take a liking to that at all, but mm. uh, overall it was just fun to help, you know, young kids when you're, when, you know, when they're coming up trying to, trying to uh, have their goals met and try to help them do that. Mm. And last question I have for you, what would Michael now tell 18 year old Michael? What advice would you give 18 year old Michael? Well, 18 year old Michael. Oh my God. Um, stay positive. 
if you want a goal to reach, you have to work hard for it. Mm. There's no shortcuts. And if you ever make it in college and in the pros, save all that money <laughs> and defer half of it if you can so you can have it for the rest of your life just in case bad times happen because they happen to everybody. But right. um, that's what I would tell Tell those me. be the three things. Yeah, that, listen, that's three important tidbits. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I tell, I tell my, I tell my friends all the time. I said, if I could do it all over again, I would defer all my half my salary until I was forty and fifty. Now, you know, right. you know, you don't do that back then because we weren't making the money this generational wealth, you know, era is making now because yeah. you know, they, the money is totally different. But that's what I would have done for myself personally. Right. Yeah. Michael Adams, thank you so much for stopping by the lounge, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to the next time. Of course, you got an open seat anytime. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Take care. Yeah. All right, thank you for stopping by the Legends Lounge, brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Give us a follow on Twitter at NBA Legends Lounge and be sure to subscribe and rate the lounge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.